Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome everyone to the Believe in Navy football podcast. We are sponsored by Bet Online, and we are hosted on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Bill Wagner, your host. I've been with the Capitol Gazette and Baltimore Sun newspapers for three decades, covering Navy athletics for most of that time. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Eric Katani and Keenan Reynolds, former Navy greats, uh, two of the finest stars of the triple option era, both played in the NFL. Guys, we're looking at the Notre Dame game, breaking down a 34 to six loss. Uh, there was good and bad in the end, though. The, it was a lopsided defeat. Um, we'll talk first and foremost about the defense. I thought that Brian Newberry, you know, he talked at length. His first experience playing Notre Dame was 2019 uh, out there in South Bend, and he regretted his game plan, regretted some of the d- defensive play calls he made. And uh, it was ugly. Notre Dame scored 52 points, and he was embarrassed and vowed it would not happen again. He's waited two years to get a shot at the Fighting Irish and uh, thought Navy defended them pretty well for the most part. Navy forced four punts and also got a turnover on downs. Um, John Marshall, the outside linebacker, with a very well-timed blitz, great call, sacked quarterback Jack Cohn for 11-yard loss. That led to a turnover on downs. Bottom line is that's the most stops, five, the Navy's gotten on Notre Dame since 2004. So uh, that that that's the defense giving the offense a chance. Now the offense did not pick up the mantle. Uh, you two, only two sustained scoring drives, and both of those came up short in the red zone. Navy reached the 14-yard line in the first quarter and promptly went backwards. Three straight plays, 30-yard losses, two sacks, and a false start. And they had to settle for uh, Bijan Nichols' 49-yard field goal. If he doesn't kick a 49-yarder, you come up empty after reaching the 14-yard line. Then, in the second half, Navy gets to the – I think they had first and goal from the six-yard line and could not push it past the four and had to settle for another field goal. Um, Other than that, no real sustained drives. I think I looked at the play chart. I don't think there was a drive longer than seven plays other than those two I just referenced. So the offense did not get the job done. So I'll start with Keenan. Um, general thoughts on the game uh, overall. I was watching the game, and I'm just like, it's really frustrating. I was kind of live tweeting a little bit for like the first, I don't know, like quarter or two. Um, first of all, Five stops, I think you said. If we had five stops when I was there, we would have won multiple years uh, against Notre Dame. Um, Agreed. Uh, so, I mean, kudos to the defense. Defense has been playing pretty well. The only game they didn't play well was Marshall. But other than that, defense has been on point. And the, 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 oftentimes, like, the points allowed give up this impression that they're just – they give up a ton of points, as we saw by that uneducated uh, take by uh, – uh, your man David Pollock uh, on uh, game day, which I didn't see live, but I did see the 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 quote of. Um, but I, but that just lets you know he doesn't watch like the film and he's just kind of looking at the scores, right? So if you're looking at the scores, you're probably thinking the same thing, right? These guys give up a ton of points, twenty yards, blah 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 blah. But if you actually watch the games, you see where you know they're starting the game off with two, three, uh, three and outs, forcing punts, getting stops, forcing field goals. Um, but we're not helping them at all on offense, which we'll get to. 
So it's really frustrating for me to kind of sit here week in, week out. And we keep saying the same things. We keep giving the same, like, this is what you should do. This is what needs to fix. And then, like, you know, we get to see the game on Saturday and it's just like more of the same as far as the production is concerned. So um, really frustrating. I know the guys in the locker room and coaches are frustrated, but uh, positives, I'd say defense played really well. Multiple three and outs back to back to back. Um, don't remember the halftime score off the top of my head, but I know that we were right in the thick of this thing. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my take. Well, a big turning point did concur at the end of the first half. It was tied 3-3. Notre Dame put together a, a long scoring drive. And, you know, afterwards we talked to uh, John Marshall, the linebacker, and they, they weren't down after that. You know, Notre Dame's going to put together some scoring drives. So the problem is Navy got the ball back. And on first down, it was no gain from the fullback. Then second down, Lavatai takes it outside on a keeper, and he gets hurt. So he's got to come out. Actually, I'm sorry. That happened on first down because X came in and had to – Ty left the game. Ty got knocked out of the game late in the first half. Uh, they think it was a stinger. They're saying it's not serious. They're saying he will be okay. But he left the game and never returned, and Xavier Arline had to come in. The bottom line is, after Notre Dame scored a touchdown – Navy had a 56-second possession and punted the ball right back. And that, that's when they had the backbreaker, 70-yard uh, touchdown pass to Austin. Um, and he got, you know, turned loose. Uh, they, they went with an interesting – what Coach Newberry's been doing, because the safeties, they're so deep on the safeties and they're playing young safeties, he's decided to start in nickel package. He's dropping the two veteran cornerbacks, Jamal Glenn – and Michael McMorris into safety coverage and letting them be the back line because they're more experienced. And he's bringing in this Elias Larry freshman at cornerback. And Willie Collins was inserted at the boundary corner. And it was Collins, the sophomore, who turned Austin loose. And uh, Jamal Glenn was late getting over in safety support. Now, my man, Cameron Kinley, the former Navy quarterback who we had on the podcast, he tweeted out that in that cover two situation, the cornerback is supposed to get a redirect. In other words, Collins should have sent the receiver up the field toward the middle of the field where it would be easier for Jamal Glenn to provide safety support. 70-yard touchdown pass, boom, it goes from 3-3 17-3, and it was really deflating. But I agree, overall, the defense played really well. Um, Eric, your thoughts. I mean, the fullback, and we're going to talk about some schemes here as we go along, but Isaac Ruas gained 73 yards, and he deserves a medal because there was nothing going on in there. It was tough sledding, and his 73 yards were due solely to good vision and tough, hard-nosed running because the fullback – was running into a wall, and that Notre Dame defensive front was tough. The, um, they had Kurt Heinisch, the defensive tackle, 300-pounder. He had 10 tackles by himself. So that guy was a one-man wrecking crew. Breaking he did, he did two sacks or one, one sack? Uh, he had a sack. He's one. Yeah. He had one of the sacks. He had tackles for loss. He was a man. He blew up other yeah. plays just by breaking was... in the backfield, and he may not have gotten the stop, but he should have gotten credit. Um, but the defensive line, I went and counted the four Notre Dame down linemen accounted for 20 total tackles. That's 20 plays 
They never got past the line of scrimmage. So your thoughts on what you saw, Eric? Yeah, it was uh, – I think Keenan kind of hit it all in the head right there with – it was frustrating to watch. You know, I watched it again, and it was just like, what's going on? You know, it's like a wave of our offense. Like, one week we're good, the next week we're – who are we? The week after that we're okay. So it's, it's kind of tough. Um, to start off, the good news is actually, um, you know, I think why – the defense played with so well is actually because of punter. The punter, the freshman punter, Riley Reithman, wrote the school record for average yards per punt per game, minimum of five punts, when you average 52.6 yards per punt on five punts against Notre Dame. And actually, his dad sent that to me uh, on LinkedIn. He's, he's a big uh, podcast watcher of ours. So, you know, had that happened, we always talk about that in the last weeks is, you know, that field position of the game of, you know, but <clears> – <throat> Field positions get only so good when the offense can't move the ball and it's continued three and outs and it's continued frustration. And where you sort of 20 Keenan, so what's your thought process with 20 plays with zero with you know all defensive tackles or defensive stops with the you know zero or one yard line? Like is that the quarterback's fault or whose fault is that? Yeah, no, I mean there's a myriad of things that you could look at. I mean, I, I would have to look at each and every play. You could look at, you know, maybe there's misreads. I'm sure there were. Uh, plays where guys were just getting whooped up front. Um, that happened. I saw that a few times where guys were just getting beat. I mean, it wasn't, you know, Notre Dame scheming us up. It was just if you can't block the guy, what what am I supposed to call? You know, well, what am I supposed to do if we we can't read it? What would you what do, do right do? now? With like with just watching like after, after watching the game, the pass pro, the the pass pro. It's it's here's a quarterback, <laughs> yeah. right? You're dropping back. You're like, there's two guys in my face. I I can't go through my reads. Well, well, works not one there. time, one time, Lavatai got sacked as he was dropping back. Yeah, yes. yeah. it wasn't. He wasn't. Was was so yeah. as as a QB in that scenario, like that's frustrating. When he's dropping back, he he's not even looking at. <laughs> you're not even getting a chance to analyze what's going on. Like he's dropping back, expecting like, where do I where do I go? Um, Correct. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's tough, man. I mean, well, it's, uh, you know, look at the NFL, right? You know, Fields. I went to the Browns Bears game. He had zero opportunity to do anything. Everybody's like, "This is the guy's the worst quarterback ever." He's a phenomenal quarterback. What are you talking about? He's an NFL caliber quarterback. Just don't have the time. You don't have time. Have time. He gets zero time. He's, he's driving back. He's looking up. He's like, "Okay, I'm gonna get hit." So, so what, what are the coaches do that? It's like, hey, like we this, can't call this because our guys can't block this. This is what it what it comes down to. And I've said, I think I've said this before about the play action, right? So play action has always been our bread and butter in the past game. Like everything, we don't we rarely do, you know quick stuff and, and and it's funny because fans are always like man why don't we throw the hitch why don't we throw the hitch we threw the hitch the first play now we're automatically in second and ten as a play caller you don't want to be in second and ten you don't want to be in second and 13 14 if i don't have confidence that we can execute quick hitch quick slant i'm not going to call it it's a waste of a play and when i do call it and we don't execute that just did i'm i'm not going to go there i'm going to go to the dive the triple the midline that's what i'm comfortable with that's why i know we can get positive yards for a majority of the time so you have that but the bread and butter of the passing offense is play action. Teams have, have obviously caught on and understand how big play action is triple option team. So what is every every team we've played has been man-to-man, A-backs, and receivers. You've mentioned that before, Keenan. That's exactly I, what they're and, doing. And, and so, and so what's happening while, is – Sorry, after a while, like, is 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 the defense is, – is our offensive – is there someone in our offense that's keying this? Because it's every defense is seeing what's going on, right? Yeah. You know, I is, mean, is, there someone, is there someone in our offense that is – in a certain position, left or right, or it's like eyes up different ways. Are they giving up the play call before even, you know, what's happening? Because as a defensive I, player, you're like, 
I know this. I know the play's happening. I see this guy's eyes. I see this guy's is, is movement this way. You know. What's yeah, it? I think you can. I think you can tell. Because, uh, because again, what happens is the more the majority of the time when play action works is when defensive players have their eyes in the backfield. Because if you have your eyes on your guy, he's going to tell you if he's running around or if he's blocking you. Like it's going to be very clear from his body language what he's doing. But if your eyes are trying to watch the flow of the ball, that's when you get you get flat footed and get blown by. So a, a lot of teams have, I think they've the defense coordinators have beat into their players. Watch your man at all times. If you watch your man, you can't get beat on the deep pass route. So these teams we playing, which are really good teams that that had run man-to-man schemes normally, you know what I'm saying? Going back to the competition factor, these are really good teams with really good players. They're watching their men, they're watching their guys and they're saying, listen, they can't, they they feel like they can't, we can't beat them one-on-one. As long as you take your one-on-one, you see them blocking you, run through the block. The cut block rules, I'm not 100 percent sure on some of the changes, but I know there have been significant changes which have affected the way that we we block on a perimeter, which affects, you know, normally fans are used to seeing you get the pit, you get it dealt, you get 15, 20 yards a pitch. Like that's that's the scheme that we were so used to seeing for so many years. But you know, obviously these coordinators have complained about it. And now the the, the rules have changed. And again, I'm not 100 percent sure on what the exact color of that is, but I know it's affecting the way we block on the perimeter. But we're outmatched kind of from a size perspective. So now you're asking guys to block one-on-one. I mean, you're gonna get four or five yards instead of 15 yards because guys, they're good players, they're gonna make plays, right? So the the dynamic of how the game has changed, the, the game is reft, the rules has completely changed. So I think the question is less about how do we keep trying to put a square peg in a, in a circle and figure out how we can get our circle. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I'm not advocating for us to abandon what we do. I just think we have to like, okay, what can we do to get the same type of matchups and, and misalignments that we are so used to seeing? Because I personally have seen, I think we saw, we had one big play on, on play action that I can recall off the top of my head, like one or two big plays when we were used to seeing one or two a game guys running wide open, you know what I'm saying? And those are game changing plays where instead of having to go 14 plays, we can throw a 60 yard touchdown pass. You know what I'm saying? I had, I remember games. I had three or four of them. You know what I'm saying? Easy throws. Right down the scene. But easy. again, another thing is when you're not, when you're only getting two, three yards of run, right. It makes it really hard for because I think a lot of teams have, have picked up on the Air Force uh, uh, odd front defensive scheme. Air Force's scheme was we play man. They, they were really the first people to do this, like that that I remember really vividly. They would be they would crowd the box. They played their odd front. They'd play man to man with their safeties in their corners, and then they would tell their their in their front seven attack downhill if you watch these teams that we play when they get into their their linebackers are downhill full speed hitting gaps because they figured out you know they if they get blocked by the tackle it's going to be a long day so they're telling their linebackers whatever you do penetrate 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 i've seen a lot of that so i mean the way the teams are defending us to me just not being in not being in the meeting rooms not seeing the film like from the all 22 and, you know, behind the quarterback just from a TV and a kind of a fan and knowing the offense, it just looks different. And so like, we have to kind of figure out, okay, how do we adjust and counter this, this difference? Because there's just a lot of teams just, I mean, Notre Dame, they, they moved around, but most teams have lined up in fifties and just attack downhill and play man to man on the perimeter. That's literally the, the 80% of the defense I've seen this entire season. 
Well, I think you're right on a lot of counts, Keenan. And another element is you don't force those safeties to start cheating up and run support if you're not successfully running the ball. It's when you're gouging the team that those safeties start cheating up and run support and you can throw it over their head. So it's a lot of factors. And I will admit that I'm one of those that does advocate for a little more short passing elements because of exactly what you're saying. They're not getting the play action opportunities and it's hard to navigate your way downfield the entire 14 play drive with quarterback keep, fullback dive, slot back pitch. So I do like a few short passing elements and I'll tell you that quick hitch would have worked if the receiver caught the freaking ball. It went yep. right through his hands. Umbarger yep. was there. The ball was on target. He should have caught it. He didn't. Um, but I understand what you're saying. It's a killer. Then it's second and 10. You're behind the chains right off the bat. Um, so it is a high risk to, to throw the pass. What I'm going to bring up something, and this is a because we could talk all day about the the cut blocking rules. That's another, that's an entire pod about the way <sighs> the conventional offense coaches have whined and whined and whined. And every year there's a new rule that further negates what Navy did when Paul Johnson first took over as head coach. Not same. There's like six new rules that prevent Navy from doing any of the cut blocking they used to do. And I'll give you a perfect one. As you mentioned, outside perimeter game, there used to be a lot of times when the wide receiver got sent to, to block a linebacker. He cut off the outside linebacker's pursuit. Can't do it anymore. Can't block inside, outside in anymore. That's one of the rules. Because, oh, somebody got blindsided. You can't block outside in. Um, yeah, so the there's just some keep your head in a swivel. That's that's why you play linebacker, right? Well, but they, these coaches have succeeded in whining and whining and whining about the dangers yeah. of cut blocking, and they've implemented like five rules that make it harder and harder on Navy. Um, one year, Coach Nehemiah just stopped cut blocking entirely because he didn't want to take the 15 yard penalties that were coming with it. Um, they went back to cut blocking a little more, but there's no that's a whole other pod what cut blocking's done to option offenses. But let me bring up another topic. So Brian Kelly, the Notre Dame defense coordinator, was hurt his arm patting himself and his defensive coordinator on the back because he was talking about switching in and out of eight-man front and what is called a 50 front. And basically he was saying they were doing it pre-snap. So they Notre Dame would line up in the eight-man front and they'd watch Coach Nehemiah look at the play sheet and call a play, and as soon as they realized the play had been sent in, they switched the front. And so he bragged after the game, you know, they couldn't get a beat on us. We, we'd line up an eight-man, they put in a play, and we switched to 50, and, and that is a problem. If you call a play for an eight-man front and they switch to 50, that's an issue. And I no, mean, not. that's why I'm, I want to get Keenan yeah, Sutton. No, it's I, not. Coach Nehemiah throw water on this in his press conference today. Today we had him on Zoom, and Coach Nehemiah said – he read the article I wrote, the follow-up column about that, with the quotes from Brian Kellen. He said, well, we see that all the time, teams that's, switching fronts. That's, 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 that's normal. He that's, said like, that, that's like day one option install. That happens all the time. We practice it in practice. That literally has zero effect on what we do. We, are, we honestly anticipate you moving. Um, yeah, and if you're moving pre-snap, like you're, you're actually making it easier good, on you me. If you're good at everything we do, you don't care. Like, okay, cool, Max, move on. Let's they, used, they did the same stuff when I was there. Uh, they would switch, like, when I get under center, and then I just check the play. Or we would call plays that work for everything. Like, more than likely, we call plays that work for both what they're doing and 
you know, a lot of times what we do is we try to, you know, there's a different scheme that we do on triple when you're an eight man front versus a 50. All you got to do is take that, that little tag It's a tag that we have. You take the tag off, you run the play. Like it really, it doesn't take a lot of thinking. So I, again, I don't know what plays were called and if they were, or were not checked. So I can't be the arbiter of, Oh, that was a mischeck or not. But I know that, we are more than prepared and equipped to adjust to defenses doing that. And they weren't even, I mean, that's elementary stuff. That's, but you know, the first, when time, you went, the first time someone got us, they'll play Rutgers, I remember. And like, you know, they, they kind of made our, like their shift, like are like ready. So like every time, like, like, you know, they yeah. were like, we got under, you know, you look both sides, whatever wise. And then right before, like, you're going to go, they go ready. And then they shift. I'm like, and then our offensive guys jump, like, yeah. all right, guys, like, I'm like, I told the rest, I'm like, that's like, that's BS. Like they're, they're not saying yeah. shit. They're not saying move. They're saying, right. And then I'm like, I know you guys are so doing So the two adjustments we would have for people did that to us too. We would just uh, call, like I say, call plays that didn't matter what you lined up in. So if you wanted to switch mid snap count, that, that actually hurt them because they weren't, they were misaligned. So we would go where we were supposed to go, run where we were supposed to run and we kill teams. Another team, Pittsburgh tried to do this is every time I made a check, they would try to change defenses. So I started standing up and giving dummy checks and then they would change right into what I wanted them to do. And then we take advantage of it. So like, it's a mind that's, that's, that's option ball. Like it's a mind game. It's a chess game. You're always anticipating other people's reactions. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was probably a, a null effect on the actual outcome of the game, but you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Well, Brian. So let me mention what Ke- coach Nehemiah's response was today. He said they were having communications issues. It was a loud stadium and they were having problems getting the play sent in. He also mentioned that offensive linemen, and we've, we've talked about this before, but Navy's rolling with three sophomore interior linemen, Daryl Masani at center, Josh Pena and Lirian Mertesi at guard. So they got three sophomores, and I did see that big Heinish guy, the tackle, getting turned loose. He he had a couple plays where he busted in the backfield because nobody blocked him. Um, and he, Coach Niamat said that there was communication issues in which the linemen, being young, weren't sure who they were supposed to block, and in some cases they blocked no one. But this is the issue I'm getting to. Called plays, predetermined plays. What the option is all about is exactly what Keenan just said. Keenan's making the decisions at the line of scrimmage. Keenan's reading the defenses and he's making the checks. It appears more and more that Coach Niamat is making the decisions based on the alignment. So Navy goes to the line of scrimmage and they set. And then everybody looks over at the sideline because Coach Niamat's saying on the head side, what are they in? They're in a 50 front. Okay, what side are they shaded to? They're all, we've got they're heavy to the right. So he's calling a play. They're not trusting the quarterback. This is what I'm seeing, and this is what I'm hearing. And, Keenan, you missed the pod that we had Mike James on, who bird dog, who does the breakdowns, and he used the term, Navy is faking it. They're not running the triple option. They're faking it. They're, pre- they're making predetermined call plays look like option plays, but in reality, they are called plays from the sideline and it is predetermined that it's going to be. And now it may be double option. So Coach Nemot says this is going to go outside. Quarterback has option to either keep himself or pitch based on what he sees outside. But it's not being read, starting with putting the ball in the fullback's belly with the mesh, reading the dive key, do I give or do I pull? It's not starting with that. And there's a lot of design fullback gifts. So that's what the bird dog's seeing when he does – 
his film breakdowns. And it, it appears obvious to me because I see when I'm either covering a game live or I see on TV, I'm seeing the entire team look over to the sideline waiting for Coach Niamat to call the play based off the alignment. So the question is, and now there's two sophomore quarterbacks. Maybe they are not ready, not coached up, not experienced enough that they are trusted to make the calls at the line of scrimmage. But are you and, – and I don't know how many times Navy runs predetermined call play calls that it's already determined no matter what they line up, this is what we're doing, or – and how many are actual triple option replays. Um, supposedly against Central Florida, there were a lot of triple option replays, but that's because Central Florida was doing the same thing over and over, and it became easy to make the reads. But if the coach doesn't trust the quarterback to make the reads and decides I'm going to call the plays because I know better what we should run against a certain look, it's not the triple option anymore. Keenan, then Eric, comment on that. The the look into the sideline, that's consistent with what we did. The key is not necessarily the call play. The key is what happens post-call. So it depending it, it a lot of this is well it depends like that that's my answer is like well it depends because like they may have gamed up on the sideline we want to run this they're switching every time i check it because if i come to silence say coach every time i change a play they're switching defenses and now i'm going back and forth because teams have done that where we check a play they switch defense then i gotta check out of that and they switch it again and just keep going back and it, we just can't do that so then we get to a point where we call the play run the play as we call it boom okay that's a sideline adjustment Without being in the huddle, without hearing the calls and then seeing defense and then seeing the resulting play, it's hard for me to like make judgments on what's being done or not being done. But if there is the case that, that we're not running triple because we don't feel confident in that we can read it, that's one thing. Because if you can't read it, you can't run it. And I'm about to have you fumbling meshes and missing reads and getting blown up in the backfield. Because How easy are Navy's play calls versus NFL play calls? Dog, it, it's so crazy. I went it's so when I, when crazy. I went to the, when I went to the Senior Bowl, <laughs> and we had the um, Cincinnati Bengals, you know, plays. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it's a lot. You know, Protections, like, formations, shifts, motions. But most, you know, most concepts. How does run that right? Yeah. So like during the Senior Bowl, like these plays, everybody's like, yeah, they're super simple plays. I'm like, what are these words? Yeah. Formation, play, uh, wide receiver motion. <laughs> Snap count. I'm like, what is this? Spread, yeah, it, it was tough after it was tough first, but then it became like I was in it's, the West Coast. Crazy. I was in the West Coast the entire time I was in the league. So it got really easy toward the end. But but anyway, more to my to your point, Bill, and just kind of thinking through it, like like I said, it, without being in the huddle, it's hard to know. Um, and sometimes, you know, like I, I know that that Mike does the breakdowns, and like I remember looking at some plays that he would he would interpret as triple. They were actually not triple when I was playing. Um, that doesn't happen often, but I, I do know that that's possible. So I'm not saying that every every analysis he's done has been that way because I do agree that we have not been running the true triple often. Um, but I think that's more due to the fact that we haven't executed it well um, as an offense for whatever reason, whether it be blocking, whether it be misreads, um, whether it be not getting downhill. I mean it's hard to like for me to point to one specific thing because it could be a myriad of things kind of happen in rotation each play and it, that erodes the confidence of do we really want to run a two triple oh that's why i think about this as i was going into the pod because this goes back to eric's era when paul johnson was the head coach he called his own plays and he shuttled the plays in with wide receivers and slot backs and i always pictured coach johnson sitting there 
and he called play and he shoved the guy in. He used his hand literally <laughs> to shove the guy in, whoever he was, the wide receiver to slot back, whoever's yeah. bringing into play. When did Navy switch to this? When did Navy switch to this? And he did that at Georgia Tech too. Right up until the end, he still called the play same way. He called the play. He told it to a wide receiver or a slot back, shoved them in the game. They went in and told the play. When did Navy switch to this? We looked to the sideline for the play. That was during your Eric Keenan. And why? We tried it for a, a week a little bit when I was there, and it didn't work at all. Coach Dima, Coach Jazzer tried it, and like it was just it was brutal. The 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 I don't want to. Please don't 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 fault me for tooting my own horn here, but I could do it. That's why we did it. Um, I could we could call the play on the sideline. I could look at the I could call the play, communicate it, and then if it wasn't there, make the check. So what we would reason why you huddle and shuttle the play in is so there is no time for adjustments you call you see you know what they're in you line up you run it right it just makes it easier on a quarterback to kind of get get everything called get it communicated get to the line of scrimmage run the play minimal checks unless they just have a blatant shift but what we used to do is we would do our little dummy cadence look to the sideline get the play call the play then after we did that then they would shift but the reason why you do that is because we want you to shift we want you to move around so we can get an even better play because so like when you're huddled up and it takes a long time to get to play in, you have less time to check. But if we get it in quick, I have more time to check. I can really see the defense and get into the best play. But if you can't make those adjustments, it's really difficult to, to do that. Now, having said that. So, Keen, you're saying the greatest quarterback of Navy history has ruined, ruined Navy football. So you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, thanks a lot. Hey, no. I didn't say you said that. No, no, no. There, hey, because because we did it. We did it. Chris's bets now. <laughs> no, we did it. We did it with Will. Uh, we AB did it. Um, I mean, people have done it like before and after. Like Ricky did it. Question um, for you: Chris you did know, it. Everybody did, did it. Did those guys do that in their junior senior years versus their freshman sophomore years when they had more reps of doing that. Good question. For sure. For sure. I mean, listen, it's it's not easy. Like either way it go. Whether it's no huddle or huddled up, whatever, making that adjustment on the fly is not easy because you have to be like confident. Yeah, be in the yeah, be flow state. Yeah, be in the zone. You, you definitely got to be in a flow state. Yeah. It has to be slow mo. You have to you have to have. Here's another thing: you have to have a complete understanding of the playbook, why we run what we run. If you don't understand why, and you just understand what, when you get into those moments of like high pressure noise it's hard to recall. Like it's like rote memorization, right? Like I can sit here and memorize a list of words and be able to recall it at my house all day. But when I get in, in a, in a competition setting, I might forget because nerves, because lights, because whatever. But when I, when you understand something at its core, it's not memory. You're just pulling it out of your memory, like walking around or riding a bike. So until you get to that point, in this offense where you understand why we do what we do, it's going to be really hard to consistently make the right checks, be confident that you made the right checks. And even when you understand and you think you know it, there's still gaps and there's still mistakes made. Well, and I agree. I think that's you just made the key point is that even if the play was sent in from the sideline, you might still have to make some changes last second before the snap. And I, that's what I don't think is happening and one day I'll have a 
really true, honest discussion with Coach Niamat about this. But I think that's what's happening right now is they're they're not making the proper changes before snapping the ball and they're running the fullback into a wall. And that wasn't what would have worked. I will say this real quickly. There was one time when Navy did make a check. It was on the goal line. Uh, X Xavier Hartline went up and made a check. He told all the linemen, you could see him make a check. The fullback was like, what's going on? And he called a pitch and it turned into a safety because his pitch was bad. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very good. No, the pitch relationship was terrible. He threw it off his shoulder. Poor Mike Malley. I hate the fullback. But I mean, to his credit, he made the check because he said the play we were running wouldn't have worked. So he checked out of it. But I'm not sure that I want to check into a pitch out of my own end zone. But that's another story. Real quick, let's uh, talk about our sponsor. And Chris Cervello is a humbled man because he uh, sat on this pod in another podcast saying the Navy could win this game or they would most definitely cover 21 points, no problem. And so he went on bet online and, and bet the house. And uh, he uh, was on our Sing Second Sports podcast today feeling very humbled and saying that he thought he cost people money because he sat there on two podcasts last week and touted Navy was going to get the job done. Chris Cervello, uh, you know, what, do you, what do you have to say for yourself? Humbled is a good word, Bill. Um, very, very humbled. Uh, you'll win, uh, you win it back next week. I, I hope so, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you can't yeah, lose. Yeah, you, I'll, get, I'll get it back. I'll get you it back. can't lose what you don't bet. Thankfully, uh, Army covered, uh, and uh, they were uh, they were the uh, the the undercovered in that game. So um, you know, you win some, you lose some. But uh, you know, bet online is where the action is if you can make the right calls. And for That's me, right. it was not the right call. Well, Bet Online's got a new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, EVA, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So, guys, let's we'll stop talking about Notre Dame. We don't need to rehash this anymore. Let's talk about the big picture. And it's been sad that Army. the the goals have steadily fallen by the wayside. You know, Commander and Chiefs Trophy, you lose to Air Force, that's off the table. Oh, well, we can still win the conference championship. Then you lose some games, and it's obvious you're not going to be the conference champion. Oh, we can still go to a bowl game. If we went out with six and six, well, you lost that. Now you're not going to a bowl game. And then Xavier Arline's in the press conference at Notre Dame saying, well, if we can just win our last three games, we'll finish with some momentum. Um, on Still left on the table, a home game against East Carolina. Navy is on by this weekend for the fans to know two weeks from now, homecoming East Carolina, then a road game at temple. And I believe East Carolina and temple are both very beatable. They're at the lower level of the American athletic conference standings and then army and everybody's all about, they just watched army beat air force army's having a good year. So everybody's already given up and saying, we can't beat army. It's going to be ugly, blah, blah, blah. But what is the big picture? 
You mute it. You're a two and six team. The best you can finish is five and six. You have to win all three games. You, as mentioned, we feel that the two American Athletic Conference games are winnable. Um, Army is Army. What What is your thoughts on the big picture of this season? I was thinking about that actually, like car ride home. <clears throat> Chris and I talked about it. It's, you know, it's as you know, these guys are playing. You know, hard. The coaches are. You know, want this. The fans want this. Everybody wants this. You know, I think Army is just left in the line. You know, yes, you win a couple games. You know, it helps. You know, helps with momentum and stuff. But you know, as as a senior, and you you beat Army, that that carries a lot of weight. Yeah, you know, the Army game can make the season be like, man, that was tough, but we still got Army, you know. And I know they they talk a lot of trash and they think they just got it going on, even though, you know, they have played the school for the blind and um, Tennessee A&M, you know, every other week. <laughs> um, but, you know, whatever. I, I was actually just thinking about the the schedule. That we had, I don't think we had any. We haven't had any gimme games. Like there hasn't been any like no, one double the, the, the <laughs> third hardest, third hardest in the nation. Like, is that who's, whose fault is that? Well, yeah. part of it is the American Athletic Conference is just really, really yeah. hard, and Navy's in a rotation where they didn't get the weak teams, the South Floridas and yeah. whatnot, and they got the Cincinnatis and the Houston. Uh, uh, so the, you know, nowadays, yeah. nowadays you don't. When I was playing, is like, you know, as you know, you get at least two guaranteed. Oh, uh, two guaranteed that, wins, man. At least I would two say wins. at least three guaranteed wins, and then you get the six games. You get the bowl. That's a bowl game, you know. After six games, coach, you get the bonuses. Everybody's happy. Everybody moves on. You know, that's that's good. But now, yeah, you're right, dude. You got to claw for them six for them six wins. Oh. Um, but again, the army. Um, well, number one, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to this. I, I, I'm planning on being there uh, in New York, so that's going to be great. Uh, number two, you know, the way I look at Army is the same way I looked at them when I was a player. Is like they get the shrug of the shoulder, like whatever. Like, yeah, we, we're going to have to come to play. Again, we're going to have to move the ball on offense. I think we play like we've been playing on defense. We have a solid special teams, and then we just come up with some offensive output similar to uh, Central Florida we'll beat them. Like, it won't be like a, we hope that they make a mistake. We'll beat them. Like, it'll be like, yeah, we beat y'all. Like it wasn't no question. It wasn't no fluky win. Like if we can just put the pieces together, we can definitely go out of this thing with three wins in a row. I, that's 100% doable. And you're right on that, on the cusp of having a bowl game. I tell you five and a seven versus two and 10, you know what I'm saying? Or three and nine. Four and eight with a lost army. Like I like five and seven. I can live with that. You know what I'm saying? It was a tough year. We had a brutal schedule. We played two teams inside the top 10. You know, this doesn't happen every year in Navy football. We are, we're still trying to figure it out. We're trying to get it together. We got young QBs, young players, a lot of injuries. I mean, you could point to a lot of different things, right? But you finish five and seven, you finish with the dub over army, you go into next year, like that was tough, but we you can't really it won't ever be that hard again. It's going to be hard to win, but it won't ever be as hard as it was this year. So you made it through the fire. You competed. You know what I'm saying? I feel like in every game, Vice Marshall, we've we've competed. We've been in the game up until a certain point, right? So 
there are definitely some positives and things that I can look at as a fan, no matter how critical I may sound on this podcast or how I have no problem pointing out people that I think are underperforming, um, which is what I would wish somebody to do for me if I was underperforming, like tell me, you know what I'm saying? So either way to go, I think we we have an opportunity to definitely build up some momentum and, and at least leave this this season with some pride and the way that we fought and how tough it was. I agree with that. And uh, I'll, it will be a couple years coming, but know that the schedule will be changing in favor of Navy because Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida, three of the teams that beat Navy this year that are at the, been perennially at the top of the American Athletic Conference are leaving, and they're now being replaced by the type of teams Army plays, Conference USA teams. So the schedule is going to change because right now the Navy's in a tough situation with this conference and there's so many good programs and it's hard. As you mentioned, you look at this schedule and there's no gimmies, but in a few years when the conference realignment occurs, there's going to be some new schools in the mix, the rice, uh, you know, Texas, San Antonio, uh, teams like that, that are coming into the conference, which I think will be a little more conducive to Navy winning and so I think that that conference realignment is actually going to benefit Navy down the road. Uh, last thoughts, Eric, take us out. Um, we uh, and Chris Ravello, our producer, they're behind the, the glass. Do you have any thoughts uh, that you want to mention of the guy? Well, I have a, I have a question for Chris real quick. So we're, we're, you know, a month out from Army Navy. Can you guess the spread for Army Navy that week? I think we're going to be 10 point underdogs. Wow, Tim, I do. Yeah, Chris. I, uh, Chris. Oh my God, Chris. Yeah, what, what about you, man? Uh, <laughs> I give them five and a half. Bill, well, the odds makers are going to look at the comparative score. They see that Army put it on Air Force, that Air Force beat Navy. I, I don't think Chris is totally off base. I, I'm not saying that it's right or that. You know, it will be disrespect, but yeah, Army's going to be favored. They're going to look at past history, and Army's been beating Navy for the most part during the time that Coach Munkin's been there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe more like seven, eight, but oh, Army's going to be favored, no question. I'll play back when when it's ten points. I'm going to play this one back for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be like six and a half. Well, we'll see, but Navy needs to get the offense and that's together, and that's what I want to see in these next couple games. East Carolina, Temple, show me some signs of progress offense. I know I feel good about the defense. I, I feel good about Coach Newberry and what he does. I mean, he has proven to me week after week that he can get this defense ready, and they're going to hold an opponent to a decent number. What happened against Notre Dame is that the defense got worn down. They just kept getting put back on the field, back on the field. I mean, it's killer. You get a defensive stop, and within half a minute, it's a safety, and it's a free kick, and you're back on defense. Um, so the defense got worn down, uh, but they, ha- they, they played pretty well against Notre Dame. They played pretty well against a lot of teams, Central Florida, Houston, Cincinnati, you name it. So I feel good about the defense. I want to see the offense get its act together. That's what I want to see in these next two games. Uh, to the fans out there, this is going to be our only podcast of the week. Uh, there's Navy's on a bye, so we'll be back the following week to break down the East Carolina game. For Eric, for Keenan, for Chris Ravello, our producer, I'm Bill Wagner. 
Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Believe in Navy Football podcast brought to you by Bet Online. If you're a fan of the Believe in Navy Football podcast, be sure to check out Sing Second Sports wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Several times a week, special guest Bill Wagner, along with host John Schofield and Ward Carroll, help you stay up to date with the latest in Naval Academy sports news as they dive into the physical mission of the Naval Academy and look at varsity sports, club sports, and intramurals at the Naval Academy. So be sure to check out Sing Second Sports. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.